This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Go to Bethlehem.Church forward slash south. Do you like old hymns or new songs more, Dave? I'm, I'm not answering that question, Daniel, so... Well, maybe I'm going to have a different one by the time I get to you, Nick. Okay. I don't know if I like one better than the other. Artful Dodge. Nick, what's your favorite <laughs> old song? More than wait, Did we do this once already? I don't know. I don't remember either. I'm so tired. Are we, uh, like, do you like old hymns? Yeah, of course. That's great. Who's yeah. your favorite old hymn composer? Mm, probably Charles Wesley. Okay. That Wesley guy. That's great. Stacy, why... Do you love old hymns? I I just love the truth, you know, this rich truth that <laughs> is expressed in the older hymns. Um, Do you think that new songs have rich truth in them? They can. They do. Mm-hmm. You got a favorite one that's a new song that has some rich truth in it? Not really. Nothing comes no, to mind. No, nothing's yes, coming to mind. You're just putting me on the spot. <laughs> you and do. I know, we know what your favorite song is. Well, my number one song on Spotify last year was Gyra. So it's not my current favorite, but... Did you listen to it enough? It's not enough. <laughs> I thought it'd always be enough. More than enough, even. Forever The Lord enough. is Forever more than enough, enough. isn't wow. he? <laughs> He is more than enough, right. isn't he? What's your current favorite song? If I that's don't not have anymore. It. I you just want me to say one that you have in mind. No. Yeah. I, I had Jaira in mind. Oh. I was curious what I your thought you had one in mind that you I thought you yeah, we just curious what the new one is. Yeah, if Jaira's um, no longer enough. <laughs> don't you like Mighty Hand? Isn't that a favorite too? No. Um this blood speaks a better word. Mighty Hand is growing on me. Yep. That's good. Yep. So we're here to talk about sexuality today, guys. And I'm good here. Segue. I'm here with lead <laughs> intimacy expert. Yeah. <laughs> Our campus's lead intimacy expert. Pastor for preaching and vision lead intimacy expert, Dave Zuliger, and then two other people that don't have any title with intimacy. How did that title come about? How did where when was that? We did a marriage retreat on intimacy. And you made it up and Two, said three it years ago. Often. I made it up. Yeah. Oh, of course. And Who said, else would do said, that? said it pretty often for <laughs> I, about a month leading up to it and a month after. Okay. All right. Well, we're here to talk about uh, sexual sexuality broadly conceived. Why? Why say sexuality and not like you know something else like hey, this is a podcast on sex or a podcast on intimacy? Why are we talking about sexuality? Well. <laughs> because you wanted to, Daniel, but <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> these are not decided on by me. Dave is the buck stopper through and through Blame um, him for all these topics. We just recently, since this podcast will have been released, um, have did a seminar at the South campus on addressing the topic of sexuality in our culture and various ways that that's working itself out. Um, and we need to be a people who are not afraid to talk about, Sexuality sometimes it could be a taboo subject that Christians don't like to address, and the world is addressing it in a variety of ways. And so we want to apply biblical wisdom to those things so that we can be equipped to live as salt and light and invite people into God's truth. 
So I think that's why we're talking about it. That's a great answer. Good job, Nick. So sexuality, according to Google, is capacity for sexual feelings, or uh, it says as an alternative definition, a person's identity in relation to the gender or genders to which they are typically attracted, often called sexual orientation, uh, which would be probably a newer definition. So when we, you mentioned it, Nick, like, hey, the culture um, says all kinds of things about this. You know, that's in contrast to the Bible says something in regards to right. sexuality, sexual feelings, um, other categories we might say. What, what does the Bible say? I mean, is sex, is sex a, a taboo subject in the Bible? No. The Bible talks about it pretty openly right from the very beginning. I mean, we talk about Genesis 2, that he... Uh, the man and the woman are naked and unashamed in their intimacy. I would say we could talk in a couple of different ways about it. Um, male and female made in God's image, which immediately speaks to the worth and the value of both men and women, immediately speaks to uh, the reality that God assigns a sex, immediately speaks to the, the mission that God gave that they would fill the earth and multiply his image and then immediately speaks to that they were to do that in this bond of covenant love. And so it, it just about in every way in God's design and in his goodness, which is meant for, yes, his glory to be spread, but also for human flourishing to happen because he's the creator who gets to decide how things work, I think it's in contrast to almost every sexual ethic of our day. When you begin to think about sex today being very transactional, uh, there's very little that is seen in the realm of covenant. Uh, Sex today being an identity rather than uh, an identity that I get to act out upon other people rather than a part of a relationship I'm in in a lifelong commitment to another person. Um, I get to decide what sex I am based on how I feel, not based on what God has created. And so I think I think the Bible has a lot to say about it, and I think that it's it's important to both lament what's going on in the world uh, and say with clarity where we would see it floundering and also to have a lot of compassion because although, uh, you know, a- anyone who lives in their time thinks their time is the worst, thinks their time is the most awful ever, but you go back and read First Corinthians, you go back and look at stuff in the Old Testament, there's all sorts of sexual sin, right, since, since the very beginning, and yeah. there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a second. You know, you brought it up. Next series of questions is going to be like, well, what's just always been true or what's often rhyming in history with like our present state and just what the West Western culture especially thinks about sexuality. And then, you know, you mentioned it some, but maybe to go a little bit further. Like, so let's just talk about it. Like during Jesus day, uh, when he lived on the earth, uh, prior to his ascension during the day of the earliest Christians, what was the Greco Roman empire like in regards to, Thoughts on sexuality and other things like that. Like, um, you know, what, what would you say? Like anybody chime in. 
like what was what was sexuality thought of thought what were the thoughts about sexuality um you know in in the greco-roman world the first century well a lot of the greco-roman world was built on a a certain system of power that was seen in families. So, so the lowest rung of power would have been like the slaves. A little bit above them would have been servants that were kind of slaves. Next up would have been children. Next up would have been uh, women and wives. And the people who had the ultimate authority in that culture were husbands and men. And uh, that 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 basically relates to every aspect of that culture, but what it means really practically when we talk about sexuality, and it's really sad, is men could do almost whatever they wanted with anyone below them in the social order, as long as they weren't stepping on another man's toes. So they could they could uh, have their way sexually with their servants. They could have their way sexually with children. They could have their way with their wives or any other woman. Um, and it was even caught up in all of the the religion of that day when you look at temple prostitutes that yeah. were basically servants there for the pleasure of whatever man wanted to show up in, you know, in quotes, worship. So it was, I mean, it was, it was kind of like lived out pornography <laughs> in, in whatever and, and you go get whatever you want to get and it's not shameful it's that's your right that's what you do in that culture yeah i mean i i think uh back in some of the historical context and just how um vastly uh pervasive like uh prostitution was yeah um brothels you talked about temple prostitution um, and the normalization of things like homosexuality, other things like that, even though if you read especially some of the uh, historians during the first several centuries of the empire, um, they're utilizing some of those things as taunts and mockery. And yet it was like well known that this could be the case, mm -hmm. um, that uh, all kinds of different things were permissible and legal in regards to uh, sexuality, even beyond, even beyond what we would find here today. Um, and yet in other ways, you know, today there is quite a bit more perhaps, or at least in certain categories than in any other time in history that is deviant from God's design. So, I mean, what are some of those? Nick, well, Stacy, go ahead. And I think one of the main contributing factors to that in our day is technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's not necessarily that in form or function, you know, the things that are going on are worse, but we have more access in and you can just click on anything on your computer and boom it's right there yeah. um and and so though the, the ways that technology has brought ease of access to uh everybody is one of the ways that our our society is set apart from mm -hmm. the historical ways mm -hmm. that sexual sin has mm -hmm. happened mm -hmm. um so that's a huge contributing factor yeah absolutely um anything you add here stacy yeah i mean that's what i was thinking too that before people were limited to people that they actually knew and were, you know, around in real life. And now we have, you know, my kids can see things on the internet that maybe I wouldn't want them to see or, you know, encounter things like that, um, that were not around before. Makes it more challenging. 
Yeah, it is it'd be, challenging. It, it'd Go be ahead. interesting to think through based on the technology. I've, I haven't thought about this, but the thought just came to my mind how much more of a, uh, an industry that profits it is in our day right. than it it probably used to be, at least in scale. Oh, sure. As far as, I mean, the amount of trafficking that has to happen to supply the 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 women <laughs> that show up on the videos that you watch in the privatization of your own home that you know your clicks are contributing to ads and money and um i am sure that that's at a grander scale than it's ever been at as well yeah certainly when you factor in technology together with pornography mm-hmm. and the ease of access and the ability to mitigate you know or at least uh you know create your own kind of boxed out world surrounding where where shame goes over here mm-hmm. and I leave it there and then I go back to the rest of my life. That's, That's right. still pervasive. Right. So in our Western world, so if you, you met, alluded to it, Dave, like the stratification of society, society was kind of set up in these categories of um, how sexuality was thought about in the first century Greco-Roman world. Um, now in the Western world, know, post enlightenment and other things like that seems to be quite a bit more upheaval and change about things surrounding personal identity and sexuality. So if, you know, you rewound to the days of the earliest Christians, um, the way that the Romans thought about sexuality, not that much different than the way the Greeks thought about sexuality, not that much different, maybe some Eastern, not entirely sure about Eastern, um, you know, like empires like the Persian Empire, Babylonian Empire, others like that. But certainly there would be some some rhyming ways. But today, in comparison to the last several hundred years of history uh, in the Western world, very least there's more open, you know, reassessment, thinking about, talking about um, things about sexuality. Talk to me about that some. Talk to me about like, like especially as it relates to my personal identity is wrapped up with my sexuality. What's what's new about that today, or what's uh, what's significant about that? In some ways, uh, everything, and in some ways, nothing. Uh, yeah, I think I think. Yeah, what I would say is what what's maybe new, and again, I I I don't know if we can underestimate the coupling of things uh, or decouple it from things like Facebook or social media or Twitter or sure, just all those things. But now my sexuality is who I am. <laughs> so that means I have a right and a, a need if I'm going to be healthy. That would kind of be the, the, the way people would talk to express that mm-hmm. however I want. Um, and you, you can't tell me differently because I am the one who looks inside myself for meaning and, and then what ends up happening is that when we do that, after we look inside ourselves, right, we start looking around us for people that will affirm that about us. And that's where we begin to get these these groupings of different, that, that, that's where it begins to get politicized, right? And so now we have this conspiracy, not conspiracy like hidden, but this, this conspiring of uh, social media, technology, po- political agendas, all wrapped up in this kind of pluralism of my self-expression and as we've seen that gets 
that gets really out of control and pretty messy to even try to live in a society like that and figure out how to function. But also, I think is just so damaging to the psyche of those who have given themselves over to it because how, how do you return apart from Christ? You know, how, how, do you, how do you not just live out your sin to the point of destruction? And, and it's affirmed and celebrated, and, and then you throw in some adrenaline and anger behind that for those who don't affirm or celebrate it, and it, 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 I think it cements it all the more. Yeah, true. So biblical texts or other places that we go in the Bible, just thinking in terms of like, um, this is the place, what, and these are the ways that God has clearly said, uh, I have a design for sexuality, this is the place where sex is most... Uh, you know, sacred and ought be used. Um, what what would you say? What are some texts here? I mean, the first that comes to mind outside of Genesis is the Song of Solomon. Yeah. You know, that there's a whole book of the Bible that where God celebrates this kind of love and intimacy in wh- the right place that it's meant to happen in. And, you know, you can, you guys can talk about <laughs> some other podcasts of, you know, is that just referring to Christ in the church or is it, you know, really within marriage or whatever? But um, why choose, Stacey? <laughs> yes, why? <clears throat> anyway, it um, is a different but podcast. Just, you know, similar to the book of Lamentations or things like that, where a, an entire book of the Bible is devoted to this. Um, God cares about it. He wants to say things to us about it. And it's good. Like it's something to celebrate. Like how he intended it is mm-hmm. good and it should be celebrated. And clearly it's gone so broken Mm -hmm. um, and driven by our sin and all these things that we've been talking about. But just to back up, like, it's a good thing. And we should (laughs) desire to see that um, affirmed and people celebrate that in the right context. Yeah. Amen. So what are some of the things that we're going to talk about? Well, by the time this gets released, uh, what are some of the things we're talking about, did talk about past tense at the, um, at the seminar? Yeah, so we talked about just a biblical view of sexuality in general. You know, Dave gave a talk on that. Um, we're going to address then specific <clears throat> uh, cultural expressions of sexuality <clears throat> in, excuse me, <clears throat> frog in my throat, um, in um, pornography and then um, gender identity and the things that are happening around that, and then uh, same-sex attraction and homosexuality. And so, we're trying to get specific. You know, we're trying to you know give a biblical vision of sexuality in general, and then apply it to all these ways that our society right now is picking up on, and where it's going wrong in a whole bunch of different places. So those are the the, the ways that we talked about it at the seminar. Are those going to be available to be listened to? I can't remember. Yeah. Again, the indication, the answer is yes. So pastorally, let's say, you know, uh, I mean, we'll just run the gamut. I'll throw a, a whole bunch of things out here. I'm struggling with pornography. Say I'm listening to this podcast and I have a deep abiding long-term struggle with pornography or um, I significantly experience gender dysphoria. Like, like I have thoughts, I'm a man, and I have thoughts like, I'd rather be a woman, or I am a woman, um, or vice versa, um, or anything else along the lines of what we'll be talking about. 
is there a place at the local church, our local church, for people that experience any of that? Like, or are involved in sinful habits in regards to anything uh, in terms of sexuality? Is there a place, or is this more like uh, the counseling world, Stacy, as you know, where that kind of stuff should get talked about and where it belongs? Or is there a place in community for those that are struggling in various ways? What would you say? I hope so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd say there is. I mean, I think what the church is for is to be a people who have had the better word of the blood of Jesus spoken to them so we know there's no condemnation. We know there's rest in Jesus. We know we don't have to work to appease him, but we instead want to live to please him. And therefore, from that, that place of rest and hope and freedom, we, we want to exhort one another every day away from the deceitfulness of sin and towards fellowship with Jesus. So, I mean, I, you know, I hope this is something that's happening in our various community groups that are meeting, small groups, men's groups. I mean, right now I know that we have a, a sexual sanity for men group going on, uh, but we want to be people who can, uh, who, who not only are forgiven by grace, but who believe that we have the Holy Spirit, and we have sanctifying grace that will help us to actually change in community as we exhort one another and love one another with the Word, and uh, and we want to right we want to take sin seriously because it will the end the end of sin is is death. Uh, you know, John Owen said, "Be killing sin, or it will be killing you." And so we want to want to point people, like Stacy said, towards the good celebrated design of what God has for us because we love each other. And I mean, I hope, I hope the church is a place that does that. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, similar into like a, you know, a family, you know, your immediate family, um, physical family, whatever. Um, hopefully no topic is off limits in a healthy family. I hope that that's the case in our bloodbot family that you can bring whatever issue you're struggling with and have someone that you can share with and get help. And maybe that help looks like getting counseling outside the church where we can kind of walk with you through that and, you know, keep supplying like the biblical um, gospel truths in that as you get help. But we want this to be a place where you can come with anything and receive care and be pointed to hope in the gospel for change. Yeah. <clears throat> um, amen to everything that was said. And I mean, the the church is should be a place where we recognize that these issues are not just out there, right? It's not just outside the, the walls of the church that people struggle because we're broken too. And we all have ways that we struggle and that way, ways that we um, are prone to sin, prone to wander. We're all broken. And that brokenness is very pervasive in our lives. Um, and it, it says in Romans 8 that even those who have the, the down payment of the spirit, right? A struggle. We, we have, we're groaning mm-hmm. um, under the curse. Um, and so we just want to acknowledge that and then invite people to join Jesus. And so there is hope. Mm-hmm. There is hope. You know, you think of Psalm 107. Then they cried to the Lord in their distress, and what did he do? He burst their bonds apart. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. That's the hope of the gospel, that's available in Jesus Christ. 
And I think that that not only affects how we talk about it in the church, but it affects how we view people outside the church. Mm-hmm. People outside the church who are obviously, you know, viewing sexuality with uh, in a hundred different broken ways and distorting it and upholding it and all those things that we see happening in the culture, they don't have the spirit. They don't have the spirit of God who is showing them and testifying to the truth within them. So of course there's going to be brokenness um, because it's without Jesus and these people in the world are trying as best that they know how in their natural self to find love without the hope of Christ. Mm-hmm. And it, that's broken and it's not the way it's supposed to be. And so we view them not primarily with condemnation. We, we do condemn evil, but we view the people as image bearers of God with compassion and invite them to something better. Mm-hmm. So that that affects you know how we how we talk about these things inside and outside the church. Amen. It's a good word to end on. So this is coming out after the sexuality seminar, but uh, those audio files will be released, I think, and be available broadly. Guys, thanks so much for joining me today. Mm-hmm.